invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the final chapter of Genesis, chapter 50. Uh, Next time we will return to the Gospel of Luke, uh, where we left off roughly a year ago, Luke chapter 13. But we are uh, finishing up the book of Genesis by thinking together about God's providence in Joseph's life and its significance for our lives. Um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter today. We're going to focus on verses 15 through 21. So those are the verses that we will read together. But first, let's pray. Our Father, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that you would come to us in grace and power. We, We thank you that every part of Scripture leads us to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray now that the Spirit of Christ would be at work among us, opening our eyes to see and our hearts to receive the word of truth. May it be the voice of Jesus that we hear today, our prophet, priest, and king, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, in verses 1 through 14, uh, Jacob has died and the family is in mourning, and Joseph obtains permission from Pharaoh to take his father's body back into the land of Canaan and bury him there. And then we have this discussion amongst the brothers in verse, verses 15 through 21. Uh, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, <clears throat> it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Well, do you believe that God is able to take the most difficult and darkest circumstances of your life and work them for good? That's an issue Joseph faced, and I am certain that Joseph wrestled with questions that I think every Christian has or at some point in their lifetime will ask, questions like, why is this happening to me? What is the Lord doing with my life? Why has my life taken this turn? Why are my my hopes of the future being dashed? And why, if I'm seeking to follow the Lord, 
faithfully are, are things so difficult? I'm convinced Joseph asked himself questions like that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to share the key to his whole life that he shares with his brothers in those verses. Uh, looking back on the whole of his life, especially the, the hard things, the things that were done in order to harm him, with all of those things in view, Joseph confesses what you did, you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. You had a purpose in what you did, and it was evil. And God had a purpose in it, and his purpose was good. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing statement, a confession of faith that Joseph makes here. Because he's saying, what, what you did was evil. He, he's not passing over it. He's not making light of it. But then at the same time, he's saying, but what God did by sovereignly ordaining and controlling what you intended for my harm turned out for good. I think it's one of the, the clearest affirmations of God's comprehensive sovereignty in all of the Bible. God is so sovereign that even the wicked actions of men serve his sovereign will. You know, Joseph's life is an Old Testament illustration of the New Testament declaration that God works together for good everything. Those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's that promise that that we commit ourselves to in the midst of events and circumstances in our lives that we don't, we don't understand. We don't see how it can possibly fit together to be a part of God's, God's good purposes for our lives. It's the promise that our Lord Jesus committed his life to as he was handed over into the hands of wicked men. And so Joseph's life is an illustration of this great promise, but this promise applies to every believing life. And I believe that this passage uh, contains three basic fundamental principles for understanding God's work in our lives. Three basic principles that help us understand God's providence. And if we, if we understand them, if we take hold of them, if we believe them, and if we stake our lives on these truths, I believe God's people will be strengthened in faith to wait upon the Lord in the midst of the perplexing providences of life. I believe that we will be reminded that as God works through various circumstances and through in the midst of working amongst various people, that it's not at the end of the day all about us, but what God intends to do through us in the lives of others. And I believe we'll also be reminded that while God works to accomplish various goals in the world, he has one great overarching goal that governs it all, and that is the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today is I'm going to state these three fundamental principles together 
and then we'll break them apart and think about them one by one, and then at the end we'll bring them back together because we need to see how they are a connected whole. So here it is. God works together various circumstances, principle one. And while he does so, he works in the lives of various people. That's principle two. In order to accomplish various goals, chief among them, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's principle three. So let's break these up and think about them one by one. First of all, principle one, God works together various circumstances. If you, if you take isolated events in Joseph's life, they, they actually don't make any sense on their own, do they? And that's crucial for us to understand. It's, it's, it's an important lesson for us to learn. Growing up as a, as a young boy, our family had uh, all of our Lego sets stored in one big container, you know, all mixed together. Uh, and uh, the directions for putting together these Lego sets were long lost. And unless you had great familiarity with all of the pieces, you, you couldn't reach into this container, grab one piece at random and say, oh, I know exactly what this piece was for. That piece is only meaningful in relation to all of the other pieces as they are fitted together. And just the same, there are no isolated events in your life or in my life regarding the providence of God. There are only events that God is working together as a harmonious whole. And in his working things together, you see, he, he brings significance and meaning to each part of our lives. You know, there are parts of, of your life that in themselves, as you examine them, you, you think, I don't understand the meaning of this. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know how God could possibly bring forth good things from this. But you see, God brings significance to those parts as he works them together with the other parts of your life. And we see this in, in Joseph's own life and experience. Some Parts of his life don't make any sense whatsoever on their own, but God worked them all together for good. But you know, when we only have this, this one event or this one circumstance or situation before us, and we don't see how things, or we're unable to see how things are going to unfold in the future, sometimes we're tempted to cry out to God, God, what, what is this? How is this possibly a part of your good purposes for my life? I mean, could, could Joseph have imagined that if God's purpose uh, was going to be fulfilled in his life, first he would need to be sold into slavery? Could, could Joseph have imagined that in order to save his family and much of the ancient Near Eastern world from death in famine, that first he would have to be betrayed and rejected by his own? Could, could Joseph have imagined that when things finally seemed to be getting better for him down in Egypt, that it would be the false accusations of Potiphar's wife that would put him exactly in the place God needed him to be in order to be brought before Pharaoh and become the means of salvation for thousands upon thousands of people? I think it was impossible 
for Joseph prior to those things happening to see how how betrayal, slavery, false accusations, and jail time could serve as a part of God's good purposes for his life. But now you see, as he looks back on the whole of his life, he can see how, how one piece connected to the next, and each piece was being formed by God together into something that was good. See, God, who, who knows the end from the beginning, who, who can see it all at once, knew it all along. But the thing we need to understand for our own lives is that there were years for Joseph in which he had no idea how God was going to work those things together for good. It's only in retrospect, actually at the end of his days, when Joseph began to catch just a small, small glimpse of how God was bringing those pieces together in his life, including the evil committed against him to bring about good in Joseph and through Joseph. So maybe, maybe you're here today and there are parts of your life and you, you can't see how God can possibly fit that together with the rest of your life and at the end of the day say, good. And we, we, we need to, I think we need to learn from Joseph and the rest of the Bible that there, that there isn't a single part of our lives that God leaves out of his good purposes for his people. He works it together for good. And that language is deeply significant. Sometimes people meaning well might say something to you like, (coughs) you're going through a trouble. Don't worry, all these things will turn out good in the end. But you understand that things in and of themselves don't turn out good in the end. It's because we have a sovereign God who bends down and stretches out his almighty arm and and bends the works of men and women to serve his gracious purposes that all things are worked together for the good of those who love him. We need to understand, though, that God doesn't leave events of our lives out in isolation, but fits them together for our good. And, and it's only because he's working in a variety of circumstances that Joseph is able to look back and say to his brothers, what, what you meant for evil, God sovereignly ordained and controlled and overruled for good. But you know, the challenge then for many of us today as, as we listen to this is we're not where Joseph was. Many of us aren't at the end of deep challenges in our lives. We're right in the thick of it. We're in in the dark valley. We're caught in the darkness. And and things have happened or are happening. Things have have been said or are being said. Things have been done against us or are being done against us. and, And it hurts and it's wrong and we don't understand how this belongs in the the sovereign good purposes of God for our lives. And, you know, the Bible speaks to that. That's why the Bible tells God's people to wait upon the Lord. It's what Joseph had to do for all of those long years of his life down in Egypt. It's what our Lord Jesus had to do 
when he was handed over to lawless men and falsely condemned and crucified. This passage, I think, calls us to remember afresh, to to wait upon the Lord, as this is exactly where some of us are. God is working together the variety of circumstances in our lives. His purposes are good. We, We affirm all of that, but at the same time, we're thinking, I don't see how these things fit together, what it's for, where it's leading. And God says, wait upon me, dear child. Walk in faith. And so this first basic principle is that God is working together a variety of circumstances. And while he does that, secondly, he is at work in a variety of people, variety of lives. You know, when things are difficult, uh, the question that we often ask, we often ask God is, God, why is this happening to me? And I think there's an important but hard lesson here to learn from Joseph. It's there in his words to his brothers in in verse 20 after saying, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. You see what Joseph is recognizing there? he's, He's saying that what happened to me wasn't really all about me at the end of the day, but how God wanted to use him in the lives of others. And what God is doing in my life and in your life isn't always chiefly about us, but how God wants to work through us in the lives of others. And Joseph recognizes this on two separate occasions, actually, back in chapter 45, after he's revealed his identity to his brothers he, he says to them, in essence, don't, don't be distressed that you sold me into slavery here. God sent me ahead of you to save life. And, and here he's saying, what you meant for evil, God meant for good to preserve life. What you meant for evil and what I went through, what I endured, what I suffered, God intended for the good of others. So we can learn from Joseph that what's going on in our lives isn't always chiefly about us. But man, that's a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? It's a challenging lesson to to take the heart, to, to know that God doesn't exist for me. I exist for him. And 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 my life exists. So that he can carry out his sovereign, good, and perfect plan in the world and for his people. And, uh, you know, that's a challenge because we are products of a me-centered world. And we're influenced by the self-centeredness of our own hearts. But we see this taught again and again in scripture that, that what God does in the lives of his people isn't at the end of the day chiefly about them. Because God wants to work, yes, he wants to work in them, but he also wants to work through them to pour out his blessing upon others. I just think about uh, Naomi in the, in the book of Ruth and, and all of the hardship that she experienced, bereaved of her husband, bereaved of her sons, and, and she has no idea about what we're told at the end of the book of Ruth, that all of this 
was part of, of God's plan to, to bring King David into the world. A descendant of Ruth and Boaz. And beyond that, over, over a thousand years later, just think, try to wrap your mind around that. God, the number of lives God was working in and through over the course of a thousand years to ultimately bring King Jesus into the world. Naomi's story is a part of that bigger story. And so Naomi, in the, in the pain and the incomprehensibility of what she experienced in, in Moab, God was working to bring his plan to pass. And I think that's a reminder that it's not always chiefly about us, but it's also, it's also I think, an important reminder that the significance of God's providence in our lives may not even be fully manifested in our lifetime. God has long-term purposes. And that's incredibly good news when you think about it. God isn't limited to you know, this single circumstance in my life. He's not limited to this, uh, this, this particular lifetime that I've been given. He's, he is the Lord of history and down through the ages, he is working together a variety of circumstances to work in, in a variety of lives, to carry out a variety of goals, chief among them, the glory of his son. And Joseph had learned the lesson. He, he's saying, in essence, my suffering was so that they might live. Do you, do you hear the significance of that? Do you see the way that, that, that to some small degree, Joseph's own life is being caught up in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, in reflecting how God worked in his own son, that through his suffering, God might bring blessing to others. Joseph is recognizing that here. The apostle Paul talks about this very same principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's how he put it. As he looked at all he had suffered, all he had gone through, he concluded, death works in us so that life might work in you. Paul's saying at the end of the day, it's really not about me. It's really not about Paul. The suffering that he endured for the sake of the gospel was so that others might hear the gospel and live. And my friends, that principle is the only way to live the Christian life. And so the answer to the question, why, why is this happening to me? You know, if the Lord were to respond to that, it may begin with the response, my, my dear son, my, my, my dear daughter, I, I, I am doing something in your life. I am at work in your life. But this thing isn't chiefly for you. It's chiefly for me and, and largely for them. You know, Apostle Paul doesn't just talk about this. He's a living illustration of it. You remember an uh, example in his life with the Philippians. Uh, the Philippians are, well, he's, he's worried that they're discouraged. They know that Paul is under arrest. And 
that they're wrestling, well, if that can happen to the great apostle Paul, what can happen with us? And, and he writes to them and he says, I want you to understand that because I've been in prison, the gospel has run like wildfire among the Roman guards. These men who would have never come to hear the gospel, who would have never come to the synagogues or the public square to hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has taken the gospel to them through my hardship. People are being saved as a result of me being in chains. Paul is saying, be encouraged because it's not all about me. It's about what God is doing through me in the lives of others. And for some of us, that, that's, a, I think, a needed and timely word because in whatever difficulty we, we find ourselves in, yes, 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 God is at work in your life for your good, but he also wants to work through you to work good in the lives of others. And so God's purposes for you are good. We affirm that, but his purposes go way beyond your own life. And, and we, need to be, we need to be turned outside of ourselves and understand that our lives are for God and what God wants to do through his people in the lives of others. And so God, let's bring these things together. God works together a variety of circumstances to work in a variety of lives to accomplish a variety of goals, chief among them glory to Christ. Now, what are some of the subordinate goals that God is accomplishing throughout this story among these characters? For, for Jacob, comfort for his sorrow-filled heart. For the, for the brothers, the grace of reconciliation after all of these years. For, for the family and for the Egyptians and for much of the ancient Near Eastern world, the, the preservation of life from from death in the midst of a seven-year famine. What about Joseph? We've talked about it before, but I think one of the things we need to see is that God was about the work of producing real moral and spiritual backbone in Joseph. We met this 17-year-old, prideful, arrogant, foolish young man who didn't know how to control his speech and said things that were true, but said things that were bound to stir up strife. And now we meet this older, wiser, steadier, patient, more faithful Joseph, because through the suffering, God has been at work in Joseph's life. Not, not just to bring him to the right place at the right time, but to bring him to the right place at the right time as the right man that God could use in that hour. But the chief goal God is working towards, this is what I want us to think about as we wrap up. The chief goal God was working towards in all of this was to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might think, well, how, where is that at in these verses, in this story? Well, we've already seen this overarching pattern in Joseph's experience as his life reflects the pattern of our Lord Jesus Christ, despised by his own, rejected, sold, 
falsely accused, utterly humiliated, and then raised up by God to a position of power to be the source of salvation for all who would come to him in their need. And in that way, Joseph is a picture of our our Lord Jesus Christ who himself was rejected, falsely accused, condemned, and raised up by God to be the source of salvation for the nations. But there's another way in which God is working to glorify his son in this story because what's happening here in the big picture is a key part of the covenant promise that's given all the way back in in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 when, well, in Genesis 15, you remember that strange account when, when God met with Abraham. Abraham falls into a deep sleep and There are these divided animals and God passes through the pieces and is symbolically declaring to Abraham, Abraham, if I should fail to keep my covenant promises, let me be as these slain animals. He is staking his own reputation upon the keeping of his covenant promises to Abraham. And at the core of it is the blessing of the nations through the offspring, the seed of Abraham. But to bring that promise to its full fruition, first God had said that Abraham's descendants would have to go down to Egypt and sojourn. And you see, it's, it's what Joseph's brothers do to Joseph that ultimately leads to God's people being exactly where God needs them for a season until 400 years later. God then brings them out of Egypt through the Exodus and into the promised land. And then he continues to work among his people until the fullness of time when the true offspring of Abraham, the Lord Jesus, steps onto the stage of history. We have to see the big picture because this is not disconnected from what God is ultimately seeking to do through Jesus Christ. All of this, all of this is all about Jesus coming into the world to save his people from their sins, to bring glory to the Son of God. And my friends, do you see what that means for us? As those who are bound to the Lord Jesus Christ, united to him, it means that every part of our lives, whatever it may be, here's what God wants to do. First and foremost, he wants to use the circumstances of our lives to point others to our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to use the hard things as well as the good things to show people the grace and the beauty and the glory of Jesus. And so let's go back to that question we asked at the beginning. Why why is this happening to me? And we need to face up to the fact that we, we may never know all of the answers to that question in this lifetime. But we can know because God has promised in his word to work together a variety of circumstances and to work in a variety of lives to accomplish a variety of goals, chief among them glory to Christ. My friends, will you Will you base your life on those truths? Will you live in light of 
of that reality and, and, and be, able, be able to say to the Lord, I, you know, I see so little of the meaning of, of this part of my life, but I know you are its Lord. And so whatever man seeks to do to me, work it together for, for my good, but also for the good of others and ultimately for the glory of Christ. And even if I do not see ultimately how you are working all of these things together for good, Lord, do it. And I will bow down to you and worship you for all eternity. Brothers and sisters, these are foundational principles in the book of beginnings about how God's providence works in the lives of his people. And let's remember these foundational truths that God is working together a variety of circumstances to work in a variety of lives, to accomplish a variety of goals, ultimately to shine a spotlight on our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we exist to do. Let's pray together.